0: Welcome to the Halderman Podcast. I'm your host, Robert McNamara, and today we will be covering information about farm real estate sales. I'm joined by our company vice president, Pat Karst. Pat, why don't we start with you telling us about Halderman Real Estate Services and your role in the company?
1: Hi, Robert. Thanks for having me today. Halderman Real Estate Services and Halderman Farm Management started in 1930. We're on our 91st year, and Halderman Farm Management Real Estate pretty much specializes in Farm sales. We don't do much commercial work. We don't do much residential work. We sell about 100 to 120 farms a year, somewhere around $100 million in annual sales. The other side of the Haldman real estate business is the appraisals we do for different purposes. And we do about 900 of those a year. As far as my background, I've been with the company for over 35 years. And I've been an area representative in, in Ohio, Michigan, Indiana. Managed some farms in Texas. Now I'm the vice president of the real estate division.
0: That's great. Uh, what forms of sales does Halderman offer services for?
1: Like I said, the, the we do primarily farm auctions, farm real estate, recreational land, that kind of uh, property. But we can do sales that are private. In other words, they're more conventional, more what you historically think of when you think of a listing where you put a sign on it, do some advertising, and then negotiate with individuals. We also have been doing auctions since 1984, and that's become a predominant part of our business where we have either a live auction uh, with simulcast online bidding, an online auction bid, online only auction, or sealed bidding. And if you want, we can talk a little bit about each one of those. Yeah, please do. The live auction with simulcast bidding is exactly what you think of an auction. It's an auctioneer at the front of the room with bid men, bid, ring men take, taking bids from participants in the room, and people are an outcry. The simulcast bidding offers people the opportunity to bid online, but take part in an in, in active auction. The online only bidding, been doing it for about seven years, but it came very became very popular in 2020 due to COVID-19 epidemic. In April of 2020, We had 10 auctions scheduled that month with seven live and three online. And when the economy shut down and the country shut down in the middle of March, we switched all of those to online auctions. Everything went well. Everything we sold that summer and most everything we sold that fall of 2020 was online. About 53% of our sales in 2020 were online. So far in 2021, we've also done a, a large share of the online auctions. The steel bid auction is, is used a lot less ex, ex, extensively. It is the process where if someone's interested in the farm, they put a, an offer, a one-time offer in an envelope and mail it to us. And then we open them on the pre-described date. And then whoever has the high bid is the is the winner of that sale. The other thing about auctions, Robert, there's two different kinds of auctions we can do we can do an absolute auction, which means that the property will sell regardless of price. And we've been doing a, a, a lot more of those than we have historically as well. The other kind is an auction with reserve where the farm owner and their Halderman agent talk about what kind of reserve, in other words, what kind of minimum price they will, are willing to accept. And then hopefully the farm will sell for more.
0: That's great. Once Halderman has a farm listed, what are the steps they take to market the farm?
1: Well, the first, inf- first thing we do is gather all the information. And that could take three days to to a week to get all that done, depending on the complexity of the property. But we're talking about information on the soils, the buildings like barns or hog barns or grain bins, houses, whatever improvements are on the property. We talk about different land classes like tillable land versus pasture land versus woodland versus building sites, et cetera. We'd like to take drone videos of everything we sell, get lots and lots of pictures because people like to see pictures, zoning information. And then then we turn everything into our in-house uh, award-winning marketing department, and they create a customized marketing plan. So they'll come up with a plan and a budget for what's it going to cost to do the brochures, what's it going to cost to put it in the newspapers, what newspapers to put it in. We advertise locally, regionally, and and uh, worldwide on the on the internet. So. Generally, that plan will include digital marketing on Halderman.com and and many, many outside sites such as the LandsofAmerica.com, Landbroker, MLS, literally dozens of others that those flow into. One of the things we're proud of is that that we create customized color brochures full of the data and the pictures, uh, and then we hand those out in the local area of the market. We mail it to a mailing list, and we also work with a lot of local ag bankers to help us make sure that everybody in the area knows that farm is for sale. We run ads in the local papers, like I said, the regional newspapers, and then it's different about the way Holderman sells a farm is that our, our representatives will actually be out on the, on the road visiting farmers, visiting people that should be interested in the farm and talking to them about the property. And too many times we see sales that are just, you know, put a sign on the property and run an ad in the newspaper and then have the auction.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Halderman does a good job of having direct contact with who the potential buyers would be. In your opinion, what time of year is the best to market a farm?
1: Well, that's that's a great question. Historically, farms sold from the end of harvest to the beginning of planting. So let's let's say from the 1st of November to the 1st of April. In, in the Eastern Corn Belt. But the last 10 years or so, we've sold farms any time of the year with great success. We still sell the great majority of our farms in the first four months of the year and the last four months of the year. But we have had a lot of sales in the summertime as well. And have you noticed
0: a difference in sales, sales price, whether it is summer or fall?
1: No, the, the summer sales, we really don't see any decrease or increase in price. A lot of times it just depends on the people's needs and, and desires for when they need to sell the farm. The only sticky point on the sale in the middle of the summer is you're selling it with a growing crop. And there's always a decision to make as how to split that growing crop and how to split the income for the year. Okay.
0: Uh, In the last two years, who have been the primary buyers in the farmland market?
1: Uh, In 2020, that was 60% farmers and 40% investors. Uh, Robert, in 2019, it was about two-thirds farmers, one-third investors, and in 2011 to 2013, land was rapidly rising in value, and the mix was more like 50-50. We had more farmers or more investors, me, wanting to buy land. And farm, and they were outbidding farmers at the at the auctions. And institutional investors are buying some land, but most of the land is what is we sell to local investors, such as 1031 buyers. Okay.
0: What are some costs uh, from the sale and closing that a seller could expect to pay?
1: It, it that that really depends on whether it's a private sale or whether it's an auction sale. In a private sale, everything is negotiable. So who pays for the survey? Who pays for the title insurance? who pays for the taxes, how the, how the income split, that's all negotiable. In an auction, all that stuff is basically dictated by the seller to the buyer. So that's no negotiation on that. The auction, the only thing we negotiate is price. So typically the, the commission rate obviously is, is most generally paid by the seller. And that can vary greatly depending on the size of the tra- transaction and what, what style of sale you choose. In an auction, sometimes part of that commission is shifted over onto the buyer's side of that ledger, and but not very often in this part of the Corn Belt. The advertising for most auctions is normally paid by the seller, but at Halderman, we'd like to share that cost with the the seller after a successful sale. We have to have surveys done when the title cannot be conveyed with a a good legal marketable title. When an auction, we typically mandate that that is paid half by the seller and half by the buyer. In a private sale, for example, that would be negotiable. Surveys, yes, what they cost, surveys are expensive. They, they, They could cost anywhere from several hundred dollars to several thousand dollars, depending on the size of the track. The owner's title insurance policy is generally paid by the seller, while the lender's title insurance policy is generally paid by the buyer. Title deed preparation, transfer fees are paid usually by the seller, and they're fairly nominal. Recording fees, if there are any, are generally paid by the buyer. Title insurance is a a small percentage of the purchase price, and so that varies greatly depending on the size of the deal.
0: And recent farm closings, are you seeing a shift to or from cash sales versus conventional financing with the low interest rates?
1: Yeah, Robert, that, that's exactly what we're seeing. In 2011, 12, 13, 14, in that area when land was peaking and, and going up and farmers were making a lot of money, we saw a lot of cash go into the purchase of farms. It was not uncommon to sell a $1 million or $2 million farm and they would just pay cash for it. But now with interest rates at all-time lows and, and very, very affordable, we're seeing a lot more people borrow as much money as they can and put as little cash in. That that does something kind of the unforeseen. It it helps farmers and helps farm buyers keep their, their capital uh, free so they can use it for operating loans. That makes sense.
0: Some sellers like to offer their farm to their long-term tenant before they offer it to the public. Are there any drawbacks to Doing that before sale,
1: I think there's pros and cons to that, Robert. I think that that well, personally, I really admire a landowners' loyalty to a tenant like that. But you got to realize it may come at a cost. Many times, and especially in a rising land market like we're seeing today, it's really difficult to maximize your price if the land isn't exposed to that open market. If this is an estate or a trust situation, for example, the personal representative may have a fiduciary responsibility to the heirs and beneficiaries. And they really want to look at a public auction in order to fulfill their requirements and provide a good, transparent auction that, uh, so they can justify their actions.
0: Sounds like that's something you need to really think about and look into before you decide what you're going to do first.
1: I think that your Halderman agent can help you decide how to do that can help you set a price. And, and for a, a greatly reduced commission, we can actually help you do all that, negotiate with your tenant help you through all the closing, prepare all the paperwork, et cetera. So your Haldeman agent can be a, a great source of information at that time. Great. As
0: the economy is recovering from the recession in 2008, are you seeing more 1031 exchanges taking place from commercial sales?
1: The new house market has exploded in the last couple of years. Uh, for example, around the Indianapolis area, that is a, they, they just cannot build houses fast enough. And that I think that's happening about any large metropolitan area in the Midwest 1031 exchange you're talking about is an an internal revenue code section 1031. And it's a tax deferred exchange. So it doesn't absolve you from paying taxes, it defers that taxes that those taxes, those capital gain taxes, until the time you sell that property. So the The easiest way to explain this process is that someone sells a farm that's that's in a highly appreciated area and they're going to use it for housing or industrial or some other commercial use that's a much higher value than agriculture. And they might get, let's say, fifty thousand dollars an acre for that property, and then they can go buy farmland for ten thousand dollars an acre. So they're able to grow their farmland holdings by four, five, six times with the same money invested. So for that land, That they purchase that they trade for is the same as the the basis in their other farm they're deferring that capital gains tax rather than rather than getting away without paying at all does that explain the process okay robert yeah that makes sense to me we are seeing a lot more of those the we have a lot of 1031 buyers in the market actively looking right now and that's that's causing a an increase in demand for farmland
0: has there been a time in your career where you've seen lower supply of available farmland?
1: Yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing historic lows in supply for farmland. The last five or six years, we've seen farmland trading about 75% of normal supply. Uh, we we uh, typically see about 2% of farmland trade change hands every year. And now I would say that we're probably closer to 25%. In, in 2021, we're probably closer to 25% of a normal supply. And I, I don't have an answer as to why that is. I think people are maybe a little nervous about what am I going to do with the cash? If I sell my farm, If you sell a farm for a million dollars. What do you do with that cash? The stock market is, feels a little toppy to some people. They don't want to dump a million dollars into the market. They can't put it in, in the bank or any kind of um, secure investment because they don't pay anything right now. So I think that people are just holding on to farmland and looking at that as a very safe investment that's not going to go anywhere. Yeah,
0: great. Pat, thanks for joining me today and all the valuable information. Uh, If you'd like to check out Halderman's current listings and upcoming auctions, please visit Halderman.com. Thank you.